Tonight, as Dave mentioned, we begin our series in Advent. We're going to jump around. Typically, this is the time of the, uh, the sermon at the top. I tell you to turn to a specific in Scripture, but we're going to be jumping all over the place. So uh, um, don't sweat to go to, to a particular spot at this point. Um, this series on Advent begins with the concept of hope. Each week during Advent, we will... Uh, focus in on a particular theme for for the week. Uh, the intent of the series, uh, and this is written in your bulletin to, to remind us of, of the point, the reason why we're doing it. The intent of this series is to disconnect with the hurriedness and the consumerism of the season and instead connect with the hope, the peace, the joy, and the love. And tonight we look at hope. My purpose, my, my, my prayer, the a successful time for us to have, have spent studying the birth of Christ around this Advent season will be for us to get our minds and get our focus and get our spirits off of shopping malls and Santa Claus and and use uh, all the, the tools that we have, uh, the leadership has prayed and, and focused a, a lot of time over the last couple of months to, to these next four weeks. And the Advent book that you have and and there's several others, many extra copies. If you want to, if you want to take one of those, or two, or three, or four of those books with you, and and give them out to friends. Uh, we have also still some some of the the gift bags in the back there with uh, a New Testament in it, as well as as one of those books and, and some other information and stuff. If you want to take some of those and give those out to friends, we really want this to become a tool for us to use to to do exactly what I just said. That the to take our minds and our spirits off of the shopping malls in Santa Claus, but instead onto and, and connect with, with these themes of peace and, and joy and love that we'll talk about on Sunday nights. But, but more than that, I think if you've been a part of this church for very long, you realize that, that what we do here is more than just gathering together for an hour and a half once a week. It's, it's seven days a week throughout the, the, the week, and, and for us to, to connect with our, our hearts together and connect our hearts to God, and for us to really seize all that God has for us this season, uh, this that is the the purpose of the book that you have, and to to read the reading each day and to to begin to to think through and use this as a tool to connect with these themes and dwell and and think deeply on each one of these themes. Tonight we're gonna the the, the thought is on Sunday night we'll come and I'll preach a, a message about hope or peace or joy or love, and then. Each day throughout the week, we'll have a reading. Maybe one or two minutes is going to take you to read that. But the, the purpose is for us to, to think deeply throughout the course of the week. So tonight, we're going to dwell on this concept of hope and what it means to understand the hope that Jesus brought when he came, uh, came to this planet. So Jesus is hope. I want to, that's a simple three-word phrase, but I want to fully understand Jesus is hope. Uh, and the hope that Jesus is, the hope that he brought, is, is not defined by the word chance. Our culture, when we think of hope, we define it with the word hope. Maybe we'll get something, maybe we won't. Um, there's a chance of rain today. I hope it doesn't rain. There's a chance that my loved one's not going to make it through heart surgery. I hope he makes it through heart surgery. Uh, all these things... Hope that Jesus brings is not defined by chance. Scripture defines hope 
as confident expectation of something to come. And I want us to connect with, with, with this thought. There may be darkness in your life. There's, I, I know of darkness that's in the lives of, of people that, that I'm close to, and there's, there's darkness there. And for us to connect with us, it's vital for us to, to see that there is darkness in our lives, but the voice of God may be silent, or may we, we may perceive the voice of God to be silent. But this season, listen close, look intently, use the tools that, that God has provided you with to look intently and listen closely for his voice because this life, this story is bigger than your particular situation. Donald Miller is a, one of my favorite authors and he wrote, uh, he's famous for his, his book Blue Like Jazz and it's coming out a, as a movie. But he also wrote, his most recent book is a, called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And in this book, Miller's talking about story and how, how our lives are really about story and trying to get us to live a better, more important story. In his book, he says, I was a tree in story about a forest. And it was arrogant of me to believe any differently. The story of the forest is better than the story of a tree. And what what he's saying there is we get so focused on ourselves and maybe the darkness or the silence that we perceive from God or or the despair that, that we feel that we get lost in the moment of our lives. We get focused on the moments of our lives. But the grand story, the big story, that is, is for God's plan to redeem his people. The story of the forest is the story of Jesus. And it's a story that we look intently at this Advent season. And I don't know what, what's going on in, in all of your lives, in the, the intimate recesses of your soul and of your spirit. But if there's darkness, and I think there probably is, and if there's, there's silence of the voice of God, and I think there, we, can, we can sense that from, at, time, at times, this Advent season, God is, is talking to you and, and speaking to us and drawing us close to him and trying to get our minds off of the, the, the bright lights and the, the gift bags and, and all these things and, and focus in on what it is that he brought to the earth. Uh, the, the, and to, just to, to listen to, to some of the songs that we've, we've gotten to sing that Jesus is here. He was born that happy morning. He is the, the, the king at his birth. And that is, is who Jesus is when he came to this earth. And, and now we get to experience the hope that Christ is. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight and you'll read about as, as the week goes on. Uh, at the time of Jesus' birth, there was a darkness and a silence that covered the land. Um, God used, the, the silence of God was the prevailing sound that came from God. In the time of the Old Testament, God spoke to his people through prophets. You might have heard about this term prophet, and it's sometimes we think of a prophet as somebody who foretells the future. That's not what a prophet is. A prophet's job, his sole job, was to proclaim to be the voice of God to his people in a particular time. And then when Jesus was born, those Old Testament prophets had been silent for more than 400 years. Books like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah are the work. They are the, the life's work of God's prophets. When God wanted to speak, he would raise up a prophet like Ezekiel, like Jeremiah, like Isaiah, like Joel, all these things. He, he raised up this man and he would speak to God's people. And for more than 400 years, leading up to the birth of Christ, there had been no prophets. They had not risen up and spoken the word of God. So there, the, the voice of God for 400 years leading up to the time of the birth of Christ has been 
totally silent. The last books that were written in the Old Testament were Ezra and Nehemiah. And Ezra and Nehemiah are prophets, and they're all about God rebuilding the, the city of Jerusalem, rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem, and rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. That's what Ezra and Nehemiah, the last voices of God, the prophets that wrote in the Old Testament, were Ezra and Nehemiah. And they're talking about Jerusalem. They're talking about the the holy city of God. And I'll, I'll talk again about the holy city of God as we, we continue on. The story of God's people has always been the same. Someone like David or Moses or Joshua would, would rise up and lead his people out of captivity and into freedom and into strength and power. And God has used these prophets and these men to speak to his people. But here in this time, when we look at the shepherds on the hillside and we look at the angel coming to Mary, when we look at, at Mary and Elizabeth together and, and the, the star and the wise man and all those things, we look at all those the voice of God, these prophets, Ezra and Nehemiah, all these people had been silent for 400 years, and we can very easily connect with that. God's people were longing for another David, another to come and be the Messiah, to, to free them from their captivity. And the important thing to note here is that in, in the midst of this time, not only is the voice of God silent, but the darkness that's shedding over the land, that's, that's going over the land, is this. The city of Jerusalem is being held and run, and people are captive in the city of Jerusalem, this holy place, the place where the temple exists. Rome is a pagan nation led by a pagan ruler, and they have captivated, they have taken captive this Jerusalem, this holy city. So not only is the voice of God silent, but there is circumstances that are difficult for these people. Uh, a good friend of mine, a, an Old Testament, a New Testament scholar, a guy named uh, Bill Victor, says this. They, God's people, mean, is what he means by they, were expecting God to intervene in their circumstances soon. This is the picture that's being painted on this, these days and weeks and months leading up to the birth of Christ. These people are waiting for God to intervene in their circumstances very soon. And, and as I... I've been talking to, to my friend Bill this week. I get him a, a lot of, he gets a lot of feedback from me for the messages. And I'm, as I'm talking to him, I heard him say this statement. The people of God were expecting God to intervene in their circumstances and intervene soon. And, and I thought about how my heart and the heart of, of the people of this church and the people that I, I, I connect with just outside of this church that I, I sort of guide and help and, and, and talk with. We're all here, waiting, expecting God to intervene in our circumstances, and intervene in our circumstances soon. So many times we, we strive to do something, or we, we lead, and we, we, we try to plan out what we're going to do, and Dave and I specifically have, have come up with this, this theme, this push for Advent, and what we're going to do, and, and how we're going to put this book together and, and get it sent out and try and focus our attention away from the, the, the lights and gifts of Christmas and, and more to Advent, what we've been talking about all night. And that's our plan. But in, in the midst of that, wrapping up all around that, Dave and I have prayed that God would intervene in our circumstances. To more than just Rick and Dave talking about read this book of Advent, listen to these messages of Advent, and, and instead have God intervene in our circumstances. And there's, there's just... Life everywhere, messy life everywhere, where we are expecting God to intervene. And we can, because 
we sense the voice of God maybe silent in our particular lives. In December, November of 2009, we, we sense God's voice silent. We sense his presence distant. We, we desperately need him to come and intervene in our circumstances. We can connect with God's people here in this time and in this place. Can you connect with needing God to intervene in your circumstances? I, I think you probably can. Can you appreciate the sentiment of God's people in this time? How many times have we been there? Are we here now begging God, needing God to intervene in our circumstances? So this season for us is about celebrating the fact that God did intervene in our circumstances. God did intervene in the circumstances of his people. And he came and he was hope. He was the personification of hope. In a time of of near hopelessness, Jesus entered into their situation as hope. And as we just talked about, we connect with these people, needing God to come and intervene in our circumstances. We can connect in this season of Advent that we are here near hopelessness, needing God to come and intervene in our situation, our circumstance. Advent celebrates the fact that there is now light that's coming from the darkness. There is now a voice that's coming from the silence. There is now hope that's coming from the despair. So know this. Jesus is the voice that breaks the silence. Know that. Let that wash over you in the midst of God needing to come and change your circumstances. Jesus is the voice to break the silence. Jesus is the light to break the darkness. Jesus is the hope coming from despair. I just want to pause and let you think through all the ramifications of that. Old Testament, go back to the life of Christ. There's a pagan ruler in the city of Jerusalem. God has not spoken to his people for 400 years. What in the world are you doing, God? You've promised this Messiah to come and change our circumstances. Then Jesus comes and enters the situation, enters the circumstance, leaves heaven to come in our hell, to come in in our life of messed up people, living among messed up people, where life is messy, where the pagan rule the place of God, where we just have darkness coming and overwhelming us. In the midst, we can see it here, but let's see it in our context. In 2009, where Jesus has come to speak into our life, to enter into our situation, to bring hope to our lives. The prophets of old spoke of this day that we celebrate. What did they say? What does Scripture say that the prophets had to say about God? What is what is prophets say about Jesus coming? What do the prophets say about darkness and silence and despair? In Jeremiah, the prophet of God, and a prophet is somebody who has the voice of God. Jeremiah was the voice of God when he wrote this. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. This is from Lamentations 3. Listen to this verse. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. Another way to say, I am hopeless. My endurance has perished, and so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and gall, 
My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. Isaiah, or I'm sorry, Jeremiah, the prophet of God, the voice of God says this, I can think of nothing else but the horror that is my life. I can think of nothing else but the silence of God, but the darkness of this earth and the despair that I feel. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast, unchanging love of God never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Hope is here, and it's returned to me. It's returned to you. It's returned to us. In the midst of darkness and silence and despair, Jesus is the hope that the prophets of old, 600 years before Christ ever took a breath, Jeremiah, the voice of God, speaks. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. He talked about not having hope. The Lord Jesus is my hope. He's my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. Isaiah was the voice of God when he wrote this. And this is specifically about the first coming of Jesus. Arise, shine, for your light has come. When he says your light has come, he means Jesus. This is Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. We talked about how darkness covered the earth. Read that again and see that. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. When darkness covers your earth, when darkness covers the story of your story of the tree in the forest, look back at Isaiah 60, the prophet. The voice of God speaking in through the silence. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness shall be on the peoples. But the Lord will arise, and His glory will be seen upon you. Take courage that hope is here, and it's Jesus. And it's not just here one day in a stable in Bethlehem. It's here. It's present. And the nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's mission in life, Jesus spoke very highly of him his whole life. And the mission of John the Baptist was to lay a foundation for Christ to come, to point the way to Christ. Zechariah was his dad. In Luke 1, Zechariah says this, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. That phrase, horn of salvation, isn't a trumpet sort of horn. It is an offensive weapon on the, the head of an animal. It is, it is an offensive, strong, powerful weapon. The symbolism is, Jesus is this powerful, vicious, offensive weapon, strong horn. He has raised up this horn of salvation for us in the house of a servant, David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies. Go back 
to the life of Christ when darkness and the the Roman pagan rulers rule Jerusalem, rule the holy city of God, and connect this. We shall be saved from enemies the hands of all who hate us. And then take it into 2009 now in our context where there's darkness and there's enemies that prevail around us. We should be saved from our enemies. The hope that Jesus brought then and there, we have to be able to connect with here and now in our context. He did it to show the mercy promised to our fathers and remember His holy covenant. God promised to come and bring a Messiah and He is here. That's what it's talking about, the holy covenant. The oath that He swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all of our days. I want you to turn to to John 14. We're going to spend the, the last couple of minutes together tonight talking about John 14. If you remember, last week I talked about out of John chapter 13 when it is the the last supper. Jesus predicts his death. Jesus predicts that he'll be betrayed. Jesus predicts that Peter will deny him. Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, cleanses them fully and serves them. The king of the universe, Jesus Christ, cleanses them and 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 gives them this cleansing and shows them how to serve and then he gives them direction to go out and do to others as as he's done to them. That's John chapter 13. I've talked so far tonight about the darkness that was in Jerusalem and and now we fast forward 30 years to the end of the life of Christ. Talked about how Jesus is the hope that came into the world. Jesus is the hope that broke the silence. He's the hope that broke the darkness. He's the hope that, that came and, and cast out despair. His first coming. Now we fast forward 30 years. He's just had the Passover meal. He's just predicted his death. He's just predicted that someone will betray him. He's just predicted that Peter will deny him. And here is the voice of Jesus, again, breaking through the silence, speaking into the situation of the 12 disciples, and more than that, Jesus is the prophet of God speaking in to the situation of us here and now. In the midst of your despair, let these words of our Savior wash your minds. Let not your hearts be troubled. Stop for just a second. Jesus Christ, Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, God Himself who came to this earth to live among us, to have our bodies, to experience the the pain and difficulty and despair and darkness and silence that we all experience, speaks these words to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. God promised you a Messiah. 
Look at me. God promised you a Messiah. God promised you a Savior. God promised you. God promised you to save you from the darkness and despair to come and bring hope into your life. And he says to you, don't let your heart be troubled. Listen to the simple beauty of that. Then after he says that, he says, believe in God, believe in me. I am here, I'm the Messiah. Beautiful. Verse 2. After he says, don't sweat it. Believe, trust me. In my Father's house are many rooms. He's talking about heaven. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? In the midst of darkness and despair and difficulty, in the midst of us being so focused on on us as a tree in the story about a forest. Jesus says, don't sweat it. Trust me because I am preparing a place for you. This Advent season is not just about the birth of Christ. It's about John 14, 1, 2, and 3. Don't sweat it. I'm preparing a place. Do you understand the Jesus Christ is preparing a place for you in heaven now. Gotta put a big old smile on your face. And gotta make you think, what in the world am I worried about? Seriously. In my Father's house are many rooms. Trust me, because in my Father's house there's many rooms. If it weren't so, I, would, I, would have, I wouldn't have told you it was, it was true. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, and he already said he was, I will come again. Advent season is not just about the birth of Christ. Advent season is about us hoping and expecting, not a chance hope, but a, a confident expectation Jesus is coming again to bring new hope into our situation. And not just bring hope into our situation, but to change our situation. Jesus isn't coming back to, to, to live a life among the, the messed up people that live among messed up people and do messed up things and, and cause despair. He's not coming back to live a life among our darkness and silence and despair. He's coming back to get us, to take us home, to change our situation, to change our environment, to grab us and take us to heaven where there are many rooms that he's been preparing. I will come again. And I will take you to myself. That I may take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. This is hope. This is what Jesus came to bring that first Christmas day and what he came to bring again for us to connect with, for us to to see the story is about a forest. 
And Christ is that forest. The, the life of God, the redemption plan of all of creation is that forest. Do we see? We connect with, with this understanding that Jesus came to redeem our hearts. We are sinners separated from God, and He came to live a life to perfect, to die on the cross so that we could come and be in relationship with God. That's how we are redeemed. We are messed up. We are changed. Now we can be in the presence of God. We are changed and redeemed. Do we understand the fact that Christ came not just to redeem people, but to redeem this planet? All the awfulness and putridness and, and, and just hate and war and poverty and the, the stuff that we saw about the, the kids in Sudan and the, how that tugs at your heart. God came to redeem all of that to change it, to perfect it. And that's what we will experience, a redeemed heaven, a redeemed earth, a redeemed body and spirit and soul. That's what we get to, to connect with and experience. This sort of redemption. And that's what we get to celebrate here. Not just the first coming of Christ, but the hope is coming with the second coming of Christ. That is the grand story of redemption that is Advent. And I hope that you will walk with us all through this season of Advent, focusing on what Jesus comes to bring and, and combat consumerism and combat spending useless time and spending useless money on useless things and instead connect with hope to worship fully, to give more. That is the purpose of everything that we're going to be doing for the next four weeks. Let's pray. God, I pray, I pray tonight that you would draw our hearts to you. God, I thank you for the, the simplistic beauty of the words of your Son. God, I pray that you would connect, engage our hearts. Let not our hearts be troubled. We might trust you. We might fully understand that you are preparing a place and you will come back to get us. You will redeem us. You will change our situation, Father. God, in the season, would we cling to the hope that you brought? Be with us now as we respond to what you spoke into our hearts tonight. The voice of God that you've given to us, your voice speaking into our hearts and into our minds tonight. Be with us now as we respond. May we do it in ways that honor you. In Christ's name.